Welcome to the Chirpin' Birds podcast. The Eagles fall to the Cowboys 33-13 in a complete no-show by the Birds. They fly up to Seattle to play the Seahawks. We'll preview that. I don't know that there's much to talk about about the Cowboys. And uh, we have an interesting segment in between the recap and the preview so make sure you don't turn off that podcast in general don't uh, turn it off but uh something a little different this this time around since the my guys of the year of this season kind of uh torpedoed and we need something else to lift our spirits after this loss to the Cowboys. Before we get started, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing just okay. Um, at least in regards to the Eagles, I'm doing well. It has been a tough two weeks as an Eagles fan. I feel like coming coming into the 49ers week, 10-1, and one, um, you know, any... Any skeptics just shouting about point differential and luck, and it does kind of come all crumbling down. Uh, now, I, I do think these losses are damning, but I do think it is important to keep them in perspective, especially with the context of who the Eagles have beat already. Uh, the competition the past two weeks have have been like you know top of the league certainly. Um, I think it's crystal clear if it wasn't you know already weeks ago that the top three teams in the NFC are in order 49ers and then you could debate Eagles or Cowboys. I think the past week there's been a strong case for the Cowboys after they beat the Eagles. By 20 points, but I, I do get the sense that this is a, a team that's on fumes, uh, kind of spiraling to a certain degree, uh, and are kind of looking for that game to get right. Now, it just so happens that this was the end of the really tough stretch the Seahawks are still um a team that you can't sleep on I think they they certainly have some bite to them but they're they're no Cowboys or 49ers uh so I'm hoping that the team's ready to kind of come in with renewed optimism and looking to get back on track but I like I don't think you can just like walk away from those two games without um, you know, feeling feeling concerned about how the Eagles stack up competitively through the lens of the playoffs, and not just the playoffs, but the Super Bowl. Um, now, that is that's not to say that you know this team's suddenly shrunken to not be a contender. I don't I don't feel that at all. But this the past two weeks have certainly. Um, settled somewhere in between like they were never as good as 10 and 1 and I don't think they're as bad as it may seem uh after being blown out by the Cowboys and the 49ers it's somewhere in between and um 
yeah so i, I think there is like a yeah, ton, ton I, of I, not I think... to like but i don't think it's as bad as it may seem after the uh, 49ers game, I think it's reasonable to just chalk it up as, you know, the schedule, the shorter week, um, that kind of thing. After this game, you can continue to use that, but I think you're now in concern mode, like, uh, for the 49ers game, I was very, you know, we'll see how they play against the Cowboys. No time to be concerned. I think now is a time to be concerned because those are the teams you'll be playing in the playoffs. Like those exact teams, not like that those caliber teams. So I think I think that's concerning. The way they lost was concerning. A, a total no-show, no touchdowns on offense is concerning. The the turnovers, um, you know, Devontae Smith of the three fumbles, I would say, is the least uh, worrisome because he's never really done that. Uh, A.J. Brown has, and obviously Jalen has had issues turning the ball over uh, this year. So those are, are mistakes that shouldn't be, you know, chalked up to being tired or, you know, the 49ers game, there, there weren't any turnovers. So that's, that's concerning. They seem to have, you know, had a worse outcome in this game. And yeah, you're, you're right. You can't, you can't say that they, um, don't you know they're 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 lost or, or they're not as good as we thought on uh twitter some of the stats uh of all the 10 and 3 teams the eagles have had far by far the most difficult road to 10 and 3 so i think that says a lot i think the the way that they play these last four games is going to tell us a lot as well. I don't think that they're hopeless for the rest of the year, but this this Seahawks game is a massive game for your chance at the one seed and the division. They, at this point, control their own destiny, which is a lot, um, you know, all you can ask for at this point in the season. And... You know, last year was different with Jalen getting hurt and them dropping the two games and needing just one, one win of their last three to to lock up the one seed. Now you're gonna have to win out to have a, even a shot at the one seed, assuming you know San Francisco doesn't have a letdown game against an inferior opponent. Their only tough game remaining is uh, the Baltimore game. So at which I believe is in San Francisco. Yeah, so, is. you know, nah. that's there, there's, there's, there's both perspectives, I think with this, but the fact that they no showed the, the, the turnovers, all these things, I, I think that that's really concerning. And when, when they don't show up for a game, all the, 
question marks of the season are are even more magnified and they they seem to be losing these games in the same fashion uh also with the jets game they 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 lose the turnover battle by a lot they struggle on offense and the you know the Jets game, I guess the defense didn't play as poorly, but they were playing against, you know, Zach Wilson. So uh, they're facing good quarterbacks. They sort of ran into a wall in their streak of good quarterbacks. So I, I think you can reason away the to be concerned, but there's also plenty of reasons to be concerned, and that's kind of where I'm landing is more concerned than not until I see them get back on track, I will probably be concerned until they have to play the Cowboys or the, or the 49ers in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that is, I think, I think that's like where a lot of the angst comes from. Cause to your point, like it is, like unless unless something you know unexpected happens it, there is like an inevitability of them you know coming back to one of these last two teams that just blew them out and that's why in my mind now, i'm not now what, what what do you what do you think of this if they get the if they get the two seed they have to play the seven seed at home probably the lions at home and then one of Dallas or San Francisco versus getting the one seed and probably having to play the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, hmm. You play one extra game, but you have a easier path in theory to the Super Bowl. At least to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. No, I mean, you definitely take the one seed. Like, I don't think there's any question. <laughs> like, you definitely, that is, you know, the easiest road there. Not having to play one of those games is huge. And also, like, the rest would be huge for this team, given the amount of snaps they're, they're playing uh, the last, you know, month or so. And, like, I get the argument, but, like, you know, if your aspirations are the Super Bowl, you can't be, like, yeah, like splitting hairs on, like, do you want to, who do you want to play in the, in the divisional round versus, you know, if you're yeah, in the other like seed. Yeah, the, the division is essential, but the one seed might not be the worst outcome to not get it, I mean. Yeah, I mean... I hear what you're saying. That's an interesting theory, but <laughs> nobody, nobody in that locker room or uh, nobody in the team building is <laughs> coping like that. Like, if I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying to. I'm well. I, I guess I, I'm not. I'm hoping that the Eagles are not thinking that way. But as a fan, a consolation to not getting the one seed is easier opponents even though you do have to play one extra game and then you would have to go on the road for the championship game if all things yeah fall. assuming that 
the as, 49ers as it seems. don't drop one. Um, yeah, and so I was just going to say, like, I think that the, inevitabil- the inevitability of, you know, like, we're not going to learn much over the last four weeks here. Like, it's kind of just like, you know, the, the Eagles are currently three and a half point road favorites. Um, the Seahawks are six and seven. Um, they're more of a middle of the pack type team compared to the Eagles. And, you know, they face the Giants twice. They face the Cardinals. I think they're going to be double digit favorites in those three last games. So it's like, I mean, the Eagles just really should be cut out for them. And if if they don't, like, come out and show that they are this top-of-the-league team, that's, I mean, if that's what we learn, that's going to be, um, I'm not even sure if they're going to be able to face, um, you know, the 49ers or the Cowboys, whoever's, whoever's at the end of the road, knock on wood. But, like... Like, I can take the – it's a shame. I, I feel like if in this gauntlet, if you could have divvied up the losses, like if if you had two losses, this would probably be the worst outcome, losing to both the 49ers and the Cowboys, you know, your division rival, which if it would have gone the other way, you would have locked up uh, the division, you know, with a month to spare – but also, you know, the, the team that you're kind of, the team that just surpassed you for the one seed at the moment now. Uh, you mentioned the Eagles still hold destiny for the division. I think they're still heavily favored versus the Cowboys, considering the Cowboys have the Bills this week. They also have the Dolphins. Um, let me see. And the Lions. The Lions, right. And, you know... This the Seahawks game will be the closest game based on lines so far, or here to the end of the season. Um, but as far as the 49ers, you mentioned their closest line. I think they're still favored at home against the 40 or against the the Ravens. I think that's like a three three and a half point home favorite. So like that'll be great game to watch that's that's like the the most unsure game for them so it's yeah, it's a shame I, I, I feel like they lost that, a lot of clout and confidence uh within their you know their fan base but also like around the league and i think this definitely supported the uh you know whether it's valid or not it's it was certainly growing in popularity that like the eagles were this like paper tiger contender and you know this is the the vikings of this year compared to the 2022 vikings and i don't think that holds a lot of water but that that doesn't mean people won't repeat it yeah and in some ways it's not so surprising on the on the defense i think the offense is the most surprising considering how good they were last year but as far as defense goes like 
you know, I, I don't want to be a hater or anything about this, but, you know, Sean Desai had in his defensive uh, coordinator duties, those defenses were in the bottom, you know, five or six of the league. I think it was three, three or four seasons uh, he experienced that the Eagles defense is obviously, you know, at the bottom this year outside of maybe three or four good games. That might be generous. Um, that's that's kind of the thing. On the flip side, you know, Gannon had the – he hasn't played uh, good quarterbacks. That's why they're so good. So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways in, in that sense. But he, uh, you know, it could be personnel, could be defensive philosophy. I've been seeing a lot of ex- – <clears throat> excuse me. I've been seeing a lot of uh, – you know, the Eagles are built to play with the lead. And then the defense, that's when the defense plays well and they haven't had leads the last five, four or five games. That's all good and fine, but if they don't have a lead then, and your defense can't stop the other team, then uh, I, I don't know exactly what your, you know, ceiling is in that, in that case. Like the the Chiefs' defense weren't wasn't you know the the best defense in the league, but they were a top fifteen unit. I think you need to have an average defense with a well above average top offense to be a Super Bowl contender. And right now the defense isn't playing that way, and they rely too much on the defensive line, and the defensive line hasn't been getting it done the last few weeks. So. That's been the a big issue, you know. Cunningham was out for the 49ers game. That's a that's a big loss. Who knows what Shaq Leonard's gonna end up being? But the middle of the field has killed them all year. Byard is getting you know acclimated as as much you know week week in week out. But it's it's sort of a a unit that is is to your point like. Uh, paper thin, uh, uh, exposable. So whether Slay and Bradbury are getting older, the safeties are you know either new or not not that good, uh, or the linebackers aren't that good. That that's that's the whole secondary, and they seem to have figured out um, you know Bradley Roby in the slot. They have they they move. Um, Sydney Brown around like I, I like I like kind of that uh, experimentation but the guys you you've relied on for the last couple seasons especially last year aren't aren't playing as well and I don't know if that's scheme or if that's age or what but I, I think the back end of the defense is certainly concerning and it uh, it hurts the defensive line and and I just feel like the, the the lines on both sides of the ball have been relied upon too much that when they're not performing, the whole team... I mean, I guess that's football in some sense, but uh, the they haven't been able to run the ball as well, and uh, they haven't, you know, played well on defense. Yeah. I mean, what, I, I, we're still seeing the concerning trend of the defense on third down. Like, they're historically bad 
third and nine that's exactly where the cowboys wanted them <laughs> i know it's it's it third and nines it's comically bad um and you you think over the course of the season that that would trend back to at least league average but they're they're still like way way too uh ineffective on getting off the field at like third third and medium third and long it's i mean the these baffling. these specific things that that they struggle with so much is what killed them last year like special teams was horrible the whole year and then in the super bowl they give up the long punt and um and you know i i i think uh Sipas shanked a, yeah, shanked a punt if, if i remember correctly so you know these things that that are bugaboos the whole year are against really good teams the difference between winning those games and losing so the the third and long situations are you know no brainer defensive advantage yeah and it's just it's so it, it I'm, I'm beyond fr- frustrated with it and now i just expect expect it like they had yeah like dating back to the 49ers game i think they had eight straight uh they gave up eight straight scores and you know a handful of those drives were all third and long situations that extended drives and you know there were a lot of penalties called, but all year it's, you know, officiating has not been the top of at least my list in in criticizing the games. Yeah, and on the point of, like, the frustration, like, if, you know, if the fans are feeling it, like, I mean, the, the players and coaches, they do a really good job of internalizing that, but, like, there's no way that doesn't like contribute to like some level of frustration that gets you like in your head thinking about stuff that like isn't contributing to better play like that's just like you know sports are inherently an emotional thing so like if you continue to feel like you can't get off the field on third down and like it's just so easy for the offense to like find a way like that's certainly I feel like eating into the players and coaches to a certain extent during the game which I'm sure is you know compounding the frustration Uh, but but the other unfortunate trend that we don't see um, turning really is simultaneously the Eagles having so much trouble blitzing on defense like they're just getting burnt every time they send extra extra guys and then on the other side of that coin how it seems like any time uh, an opposing defense throws a blitz the Eagles away like on a on a predictable like a third down in a, in a spot where you know the Eagles really need the conversion it's like oh yeah like there's an extra man free and Jalen had to throw the ball before uh, the route developed and it was an incompletion and it's like the eagles could not buy that if yeah. they like you know sold the franchise for one <laughs> it's just yeah i mean the they, they i think they go hand in hand because it's 
it makes the Eagles offense easy easier to stop and when the offense isn't going every every down the defense plays is an important series they all year haven't blown teams out I think the the Dolphins game ended up being a two score win I might be forgetting uh other other the the Tampa game but if I remember correctly that was sort of an ugly an ugly game but in the the second half of the year they haven't blown teams out and when you're not up multiple scores like you're you were used to being last year the every every series the defense plays is like you know do or die keep keep the game close you know higher leverage uh series and when you play with that you know when when it's that tense and you have to play every single series like that not not that they should take series off but the state when you're playing with the stakes of of a of a small lead or a small deficit through the course of the of five straight games against elite opponents I, I can see how that can wear wear on a defense, especially when there's backbreaking first downs on third and long situations, and to your point on blitzing situations. So, I I I think the it, I I don't know the breakdown of past seasons or what other teams experienced, but it would be interesting to see how many high leverage whatever is considered high leverage within one score defensive snaps the Eagles are taking versus other teams around the league. And on the other side of the ball, when you were talking about the blitzing, I saw a breakdown and, uh, you know, what, however you feel about ESPN and Dan Orlovsky and stuff. But Dan Orlovsky had an interesting breakdown on Jalen Hurts on first and second down and how he's been forcing throws and – uh, showing a couple plays from the Cowboys game where the the shorter maybe it was a check down maybe you know it was a more medium route uh, option the receiver was generally open uh, or there was a, a a window where they were wide open and Jalen either elected not to throw the ball and got sacked threw it away or went with the further route and uh, there was one one play where I think Devontae Smith ran a short uh, in-breaking slant, and he was open, and instead uh, Jalen threw it down to A.J. Brown on a, on a sideline deep ball that went out of bounds or something like that. So the point, of, the point he was making was that Jalen has been forcing uh, plays to happen, and I think that, you know, if going back to the Bills game, Josh Allen taking the shorter passes and the broadcast praising him for it was a big reason why the you know he didn't throw the interceptions he did throw the one but uh, he he had so much success against the Eagles because he was taking what the defense was giving him and all that stuff and we haven't really seen that this year or I shouldn't say this year because of recency bias, but you know the last few games again in, during the gauntlet, you haven't seen the the easy uh, or throws. And Jalen was asked about that, and 
he just talked about execution. So that that's been a big beat writer question is the average yard uh, distance of separation by receivers. I think it's similar this year as last year for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Did you see that stat about the separation? Uh, no, but it. <laughs> I feel like I've... It's like two and a half yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you certainly uh, feel so it, it during it seems... the game. It's like, wow, yeah. they're just constantly draped. I, again, I, it is tough to, like, I didn't, this wasn't like a, I feel like once you're, you see the team you root for get blown out and back-to-back weeks, like you start to see things that you probably weren't picking up on before. Maybe it is just recency bias, but like the offense does feel like there's, um, it just feels like somebody's foot is like on the, on like the passenger brake, you know, like when in like driver's ed, it feels like that like there's just something that's not yeah. letting but you know a 49ers defense is really good and you know so is the Cowboys so I don't know how much of it is that and like how much of it is just you know the Eagles haven't had a game where like it's crazy like we're, we're going into week 15 they just haven't had that like game where it clicks you know offensively yeah they haven't blown they haven't blown teams out and that makes me wonder, like, is this just not, do they just not have that element this year? Or, you know, because, again, their their strength of schedule has been the toughest in the league. And, you know, they have won 10 games compared to just the three losses. So, like, I don't know. Does, yeah, does it need and, to be and we all knew it. We all knew it was a tougher schedule this year as a first place schedule. I I don't know. I I really don't like the excuse of, or the reasoning of they they're built to play with the lead. They've obviously shown that they can come back, but it's been yeah, like what, extremely what, what ugly. What team isn't built to win ahead? Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. I mean, but, like the, the uh, game is the game is strategically built to uh, favor the team with the lead like yeah it's it's something i've seen i've seen a lot this week is the eagles are built to uh play with the lead so their defensive line can pin their ears back it's like i i I think most teams would probably love it if their defensive line could just pin their ears back yeah like if you could if you could build a team a certain way you would absolutely build them to come back (laughs) you know Right. That would be the secret we, weapon. We want to get into a deficit. Yeah, I mean, if if you could if you could build your team for comebacks, that would stand to reason that they would also be great at um, leading the game, because <laughs> you know the the same yeah. same strengths would abide there. The the last two things on this game, because I I don't want to get lost in uh, the yeah. You have any good the things? Kind of moping of the game uh heck of a special teams call on the brandon Mann fake punt i thought that was a really nice nicely executed play um by michael clay good throw by brandon Mann. i think he has now like three 
uh, completed passes. So like that wasn't even on my radar that like it's pretty he's good. done stuff like that before. But nice to know. Um, I feel like that was too. a potential. That that was a potential. Um, like momentum right. that's two weeks Definitely. in a row there's like a momentum like juice thing that didn't end up going anywhere like the green law dom situation this fake punt and then it's like uh oh maybe something's turning around like they did they did something exciting and then it's just oh no never mind yeah do, do we think they're getting blown do we out. think big dom's allowed in seattle i i do hope so yeah um, I heard he likes Starbucks. <laughs> and then the other thing. Um, so, largely the defensive line. I, I didn't think they had a good game. Uh, Reddick did have two sacks, which I think he's now, I think that was number 10 and 11 on the year. So, nice to see him rack them up. And then Fletcher Cox had a good game. Uh, he, he had the forced fumble on Dak Prescott and the touchdown return by Jalen Carter. So, uh, I'd say those two nice little blips of positivity. It's a shame that they just get like written in as footnotes and a twenty-point loss to your division rival. But oh well, um, it's time to kind of turn the page. Unless you got anything else on this one? No, I'm ready. All right. Do you want to introduce this? Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna do like a little little trivia bit here. Um, I try. I'm trying to remember what made me think of you know going down this path. But I was scrolling through the Eagles roster, and I took interest in the players' heights. So my challenge to you was: Can you name me the five shortest Eagles? And this includes anybody who's on the active roster, who's on the IR and the practice squad. So really any any player who's getting a check from the Eagles. And uh, specifically, to add a little bit of difficulty to the challenge, name the five shortest in ascending height. And if there's players with the same listed height, it doesn't matter the order you list them in. So I have my list here. Um, and if you want to talk about process or if you want to go straight into it, uh, the floor is yours. So has there have you looked to see if there's any practice squad transactions that would change this? Because I, I wrote this list like... A couple weeks ago, I think. Um, I don't think so. All right. Well. Yeah. Let's. I'm like ninety-five percent sure that there's no impact, but. Um, all right. Well, if I if I list someone that's uh, not on the practice squad or is on the practice or whatever, or if someone's on the practice squad I didn't think of, then you'll hold me accountable. I have, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just list in ascending order, and will you tell me, your list is the actual list, right? Right. Or did you do this too? No, I just have the, uh, the answer no, key here. You know. All right. 
shortest to tallest. Okay, and real, real quick before you shortest. start, do it one at a time. Don't like give me your five, because I'll, I'll give you like three shots in ascending order. Then we can you can just play whack a mole if you're having trouble. If that makes sense. Okay, so I'll do one, and you'll tell me if they're the shortest. Yeah. Like we'll we're, we'll make our way up right. the ladder. I'll give you three shots. All right, my shortest is Boston Scott. That is correct, Boston Scott. What do you have, or did did you guess heights here? I didn't guess heights. Okay, well you are correct, Boston Scott, listed at five six. Uh, I was gonna guess that. Good start. I guess I'll I'll just get I guess I'll just guess heights at this point. All right, number two, Britton Covey. Mm, that is right. He is listed wow. at five eight. Five eight. And all right, there is another person listed at five eight. Number three, Devin Allen. Oof. I I similarly thought that he would be on this list, but he's not. He's like five eleven. He's not on the list at all. No, I mean he he's uh, like in the top ten shortest, but he's not on the short list. Okay, so now I need to pick another person. Um, I don't know if he's signed or released, but can I guess Greg Ward? I think he's back with the team. He's not on the list. So wow, you have Boston Scott, and you have Britton Covey. Britton Covey. All right, I'm just going to go to my next tallest, I guess, uh, which may or may not be correct. Jake Elliott. You're really close. There's, there's, He's on the list, and he's listed at 5'9", but you are hopping over somebody. But at this point, you can okay, kind so of just... Someone else is 5'8". You can kind of just spitball from All here right. out. Uh, okay, I'll just do the next tallest is Braden Mann. Ooh, not on the short list. He's not on the short okay, so I got I got three I got three correct in the correct spots. It sounds like. I got number the shortest, the second shortest, and the fourth shortest. I will give you Yes. I'll give you hints that um, the second shortest is on offense, and then as far as the slot for fifth, there's... Wait, so there's someone between Boston Scott and Britton Covey? There is, and it's it's a surprising one, I'll say. And uh, as, so there's like, uh, for the fifth spot, there's three guys who share the same height with Jake Elliott, so two of, two of them are on offense one on defense and i feel like the defense on there like that should be a pretty good hint although it is tricky i'll say zacchaeus yeah oz is the second shortest at five eight so he shares the same height as britain covey okay and then you have and... three players left who share the same height as jake elliott Two on offense, one on defense. Ooh. 
Reed Blankenship? No. <laughs> I don't know Reed's height, but he's got to be like at least six foot. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to give these uh, last three to you. Five, nine, there are two running backs, Kenny Gainwell and DeAndre Swift. Oh, I didn't even, I should have thought of that. And then five, nine on defense. Would you like a guess? This is the one that's like simultaneously, in my opinion, obvious, but also a little bit tricky given his current standing. Job? No, Job's like, uh, it's Avante Maddox. Yeah. He's 5'9". All right. Well, I got I got three out of five. That's not yeah, bad. Yeah, no. That's a good job. That concludes Are you the... satisfied with... Yeah, that concludes the trivia corner. All right. Let's get into previewing this game. Eagles go up to Seattle, where they have... Well, they, they haven't beaten the Seahawks in 15 years. Their last win was in 2008. Where they won twenty six to seven. Brian Westbrook was on the team. They've lost in in twenty eleven, twenty fourteen, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty during the regular seasons, twenty twenty in the playoffs. That's seven straight losses to the Seahawks. Jason Kelsey, it's his last remaining team he has not beaten in his career. 2008, Phillies won the World Series. That's how long the Eagles have not beaten the Seahawks. So so by the numbers here... How do we feel? Eagles offense currently the seventh ranked by DVOA going up against the Seahawks' 26th ranked defense by DVOA. Now that's like... That's got to be one of the largest disparities of the season, which... Just to say, the Eagles haven't gone up against many bad defenses yet. And this Seahawks team, you know, you can, you can like, go through the names, but, like, they certainly qualify as a bad defense. Uh, on the other side of things, the Seahawks offense, they're 14th best in the league, so, you know, about league average. Going up the Eagles' 21st-ranked defense, uh, they've certainly been like lingering in that 20th area for probably the best month. Um, special teams, the Eagles, uh, still still doing really well. They're they're currently the number two special teams uh, ranking by DVOA, and then the Seahawks at 11. So not bad. So overall, Eagles ranking currently total eighth to the Seahawks. 16th so this is a game that should favor the Eagles uh, across across the board most glaringly their offense against the Seahawks defense I think that's exactly uh, where we're at as far as non you know measurable things that the Seahawks do come in losing four straight and losing five of their last six 
losing the, f- the four straight concerns me more. Seven of their last thirteenth. So seven of the last thirteen. Well, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah, they they are six and seven, but losing four straight against the Philadelphia team is never uh, a settling thought. So that's just something to uh, think about. They. Uh, Three of their four straight losses were on the road at the Rams, at Dallas, at San Francisco. The one was at home against San Francisco. So, you know, obviously a good opponent. Geno Smith got the contract. Uh, Now he's, you know, the starter. I I don't think that he would be considered an elite quarterback that the the defense should have an issue with. Uh, They they definitely have talent on offense. They have three solid to very good receivers. They have a good running back. They have a former first-round pick uh, left tackle. I don't know much about the rest of their offensive line, but Charles Cross was a, a top pick, top 10, I believe. Uh, you know, DK, big big receiver. Tyler Lockett's been good for, for years. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie. So th- they have pieces for sure on offense. I don't know that Geno Smith combined with those pieces is is the as intimidating as you know the five six straight teams that they've played against but the uh the defense has to have a you know a a pride game they got they gotta have a game where they show up and and dominate and i think that the seahawks offense has potential to be that offense that they can beat up on it's there to be had but it's also you know, there to not be had because they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Kenneth Walker and, you know, all these things. So where are you at with the Seahawks offense? Because I never thought that they were that good. They they did win a bunch of games earlier in the year. They, they scored 35 on Dallas. Yeah. But I mean, they haven't hit 20 in those other three uh, losses. Yeah, if if you watch the Dallas game, like I think this offense can, you know, hang up an ugly number on your defense. Now, what was interesting was, like, Geno Smith hasn't been that quarterback that faced the Cowboys for really that much of the season thus far. He, I think he's taken you know, a pretty clear step back this year. Not saying that he's, like, suddenly worse, but I don't think his his ceiling this year isn't or hasn't been what it was last year. Like, he's – I think he's taken some bit of a step back as far as, like, you know, a, a reliable uh, winning quarterback. And he, he didn't play last week against the 49ers. That was Drew Locke. Now – um, at the time that we're recording this, uh, you know, it is the first day that uh, the Eagles and Seahawks are announcing their injury report since, you know, Thursday is Wednesday when you're playing on Monday. 
but it seems like early indications are that Gino will play this week. He was close to a game-time decision last week, and they ultimately went with Drew Locke. So I think all all indications are that Gino will be ready to go this week, unfortunately for the Eagles. Um, and, you know, I, I do think Gino is, you know, he's, you know, he can put some pretty throws out there, and uh, he's not afraid to go downfield. So I, I think, you know, he could certainly, you know, cause some some trouble for the Eagles secondary that has not been the most reliable lately. Um, now, in regards to the Eagles injury report, uh, we know that Reed Blankenship left the game against the Cowboys after, uh, what's his name, uh, Jake Ferguson. I was... Not to like complain, but like I thought uh Ferguson made a pretty clear like leading with the helmet type move that ultimately led to Blankenship's exit. And I get that like that's a bang bang play. I but feel like, like they never call stuff like that. Well, you know what's what's interesting is they have been after the fact. I don't know if you've been seeing the fines that come out, like typically I think like on like the Saturday before uh games that weekend there's been a ton of um fines sent out to the you know it's typically like running backs who initiate contact with their lowered helmet and it was like textbook that uh and you know i don't think it was uh you know intentional or anything like that but like that's stuff that you know you can't be doing um, and unfortunately, Reed, you know, left with the concussion. Now, he was a limited participant today. I think that's good news considering it's relatively early in the week. Um, it, it says that he's, he's cleared the early stages of the protocol. So, you know, if, if he's ready and, you know, deemed healthy to play, that, that would be big for the secondary. Um, other injuries are kind of hard to parse out given, you know, the state of the week or, you know, the stage that we're in. But Darius Slay didn't practice, neither did Jurgens, and same with Zach Cunningham. I don't think any of them really give me pause at this moment. Jurgens left with a chest injury but returned. Uh, Slay's kind of had like this knee thing and he's been missing practices early in the week and I'd say if any of them are concerning it's probably Cunningham but again it's it's Wednesday actually um, now that brings me to the pass catchers for the Seahawks we know that DK Metcalf really gets up for the games against the Eagles ever since the JJ Arcega white side uh I feel like that's like uh, he feels like he's on the Mets if that makes sense <laughs> like he just always gets up for the games against the Eagles um, and you know he he's it's weird I feel like he is a hot and cold receiver because like when he explodes he can just put up like the gaudiest numbers like He's he's a guy that can like crack like 
160, no problem, two touchdowns and like four catches. And then he'll have like, you know, your odd like three catches, 50-yard game, you know, like not that that's like terrible, but like more pedestrian games and, you know, if the Eagles can get, if the Eagles can shake one of those out of them, I think that would go a long way in uh, winning. Um, but, you know, Tyler Lockett, he's, you know, he's a savvy vet. I, I am curious how the Eagles will deploy their cornerbacks. I would guess they'd try to put Sly on DK and Bradbury on Lockett, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the case because I feel like the opposite would be a better matchup, like, physically. But, you know, nonetheless, their hands will be full. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba plays in the slot, and, like, he's he's a very quick, shifty guy. I don't know if they have a slot guy to hang with them, like, if that is something that they trust Ricks to do or if that's going to be uh, Roby. I feel like that's that continues to just feel like a spot where they're just kind of seeing what sticks and what doesn't, and most of the time it's what doesn't stick. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Kenneth Walker, like, he's he's – he, he, he's coming back from injury. I think last week was the first time he was healthy in a while, but he's an explosive running back. He, he can, he can kind of break a run on you. He's very physical runner. Um, and then Zach Charbonnet, the rookie backup, he's kind of filled in with him, uh, being injured. So he's, he's seen an increased role the past few weeks and those two, they're like kind of big physical backs, and we know how the Eagles tackling has been subpar the past few weeks. So I think that also presents its own own threat of, you know, being exposed by a big play or not wrapping a guy up and just like a guy bouncing off three guys and then it's a touchdown when it should have been like a four-yard game. So the Eagles defense, I think... I have optimism that they'll turn it around. Um, you know, this is Sean Desai going up against his old team, uh, coming off of two games where, you know, he's he and the defense have just looked like they they got pantsed, uh, unprepared, not really meeting the physicality of the offense they're going up against. So it could be blind optimism. I don't think. Logically, one should have much reason to think that this will be a big bounce-back game for the defense, but I do think, um, you know, the, the defensive line, this, this should be a chance to bounce back after going up against a really good offensive line in the Cowboys to kind of get to the quarterback, cause some havoc in in the backfield and, you know, potentially get the ball on the ground. On defense, newly acquired Leonard Williams is on their uh, D-line. I think they have, uh, you know, Draymond Jones, I remember, was... Yeah, he was a, a 
Yeah, he was one of the free agent targets. Yeah, he was a Bronco, um, right? Right, yeah, that's that's what it was. Uh, Boye Mafe is a familiar name. Bobby Wagner, of course. Um, you know, Jamal Adams was uh, has been very good for a long time, and Tariq Woolen as uh, their their top corner. They have a rookie corner in Devin Witherspoon, who I will not acknowledge as any good because he is from Washington, and I don't believe in Pac-12 talent isn't so isn't he we'll from move on from that i thought he was from illinois i got that wrong oh is he's is he he's is he illinois i gotta look this up because uh, i remember yeah, christian illinois. gonzalez was oregon yeah he's, oh okay he's he's okay never mind he is good <laughs> he is pretty yeah, good wait, who were you thinking of christian gonzalez is from oregon yeah, so it, I think that's that's where I got a mixed Pac twelve by association. Pac-12. It was Pac twelve. <laughs> All right, well, if he if he did go to uh, Washington or what whatever, now, uh, Julian Love or old friend Julian Love. Yeah, I, I did want to point their uh, backup safety. They want to point out the safety like Jamal Adams has had a bad year. He's been like a point of frustration i would say for the seahawks and um he's like more of like a linebacker at this stage like i guess he kind of always was even like back when he was you know the all pro guy with the jets uh, that's just to say i think he's like exceeded to the point where he, he's now more name value than actual like playmaker but uh, Quandre Diggs, he, he's a good safety. Julian Love, um, I think he's been decent for them. But yeah, it, it's like a it's a defense that's underperforming to, um, you know the. Yeah, I mean, twenty six ranked defense. Obviously, they're they're not a strong unit, but they do have uh, pieces for sure. I think to your point with the. With the defense having a bounce-back game, I think that the offense very well could have a bounce-back game in, uh, uh, on the other side of the ball. So it, it's sort of shaping up to be that bounce-back game that we're really looking for and, and we really need. But uh, at the same time, you're, you're faced with seven straight games over the course of 15 years where you haven't beaten the Seahawks. The the four game losing streak coming into the game the Seahawks are you know on that on that bubble they're 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 playing desperate so there are elements to this game that aren't uh, that don't show up in the stat sheet that do make me a little nervous and I think uh, Jimmy Kemsky's the beat writer that uh, does the analytics but the Eagles do do have a, a long winning streak against animal teams <laughs> I don't know what the number is, but I know it's I know it's pretty good uh, over the last two seasons. So those are all non tangible elements to factor into this to this game. But yeah, they they do have pieces on both sides of the ball that are that are pretty good, and I think the Eagles are the more talented team by far, and it will come down to as they've talked about all week, execution. And I, they should win the game, 
and it would be a uh, a big you know get right the ship win if they can win in decisive fashion. But uh, you know the the Eagles in their ten wins, five of those wins they they scored thirty or more points. The Seahawks have hit thirty twice, and they were their first and second wins of the season. They had twenty nine in their last win, but they're uh, they're not really even hitting twenty in their last couple of uh, losses outside of the Cowboys game. So. Last week, they put up 16. Two weeks before that, 13-16. They lost 37-3 to against Baltimore. Um, you know, 13 against the uh, the Bengals. So since their, their bye was week five, so since their bye, they've, uh, they've put up um, more than 30, 30 or more a once. If you want to count 29, then we'll say twice so you know they're they're not a they're not a put up points type offense based on their uh, final scores here so the eagles certainly can run away with it if they if they do have a good game because if the defense can hold them to under 20 i think it's a no doubt about it win for for the eagles uh two more uh i would say interesting but probably insignificant uh notes or kind of bits of trivia I came across uh, the Seahawks long snapper his name is Chris Stoll so this is a Stoll Bowl uh, between him and Jack Stoll are they are they related They're not related at least okay. uh, to my knowledge I, I did I did Google that and I'm not even sure if uh, Google would be able to accurately <laughs> answer that but uh, I think Jack still does have a brother, and he's, you know, not him. Um, and then the other thing, and I would say probably more interesting, Jason Peters is on the Seahawks. It's pretty right. It's pretty wild that he's still in the league. Uh, he's 41. I think he's a backup now, backup. Uh, let's see. I think he's backup right tackle. They have him charted, at least by ESPN. And Does this count as a revenge game or because he played on a different team between the Eagles and, and the Seahawks, it's not a revenge game? I think he's too old to have revenge. <laughs> like I think yeah. I think He did win a Super Bowl with the Eagles. I think once you're post prime you don't you don't get revenge games. But it's crazy to think he's on his third team post second run with the Eagles. So he was, he was with the Bears in 2021, Cowboys last year, and Seahawks this year. It's like, I mean, incredible work to um, be in the league at this age after a legendary career. And it's just like, I mean, the dude clearly loves football. Well, it's not after a, after a career. It's still going. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not. It's just like, like you can tell he loves the game because he's not, you know, he's more of like a journeyman at this point. He's like, uh, you know, like Vince Carter almost. Like he's, he's had that. It's his victory tour. It's not a revenge game. It's a victory tour. 
he's had those high highs and now he's willing to kind of just be a depth guy and get the paychecks and you know just kind of I wouldn't call it coasting but like I don't know if anybody's expecting him to be like even a shadow of himself but good for him nonetheless maybe we'll see like an shall we do predictions yeah do, do you think we'll we'll catch a uh Jason Peters comes in for five snaps and then leaves mysteriously. No. No? Okay. Yeah, let's uh, let's kick off the predictions here. Uh, I feel like right. it's my turn, but honestly, I could be wrong. Go, go for it. Okay. Uh, my first prediction here, Josh Sweat has his first sack in four games. Uh, he's coming off of two games going up against Trent Williams and Tyron Smith. So, um, you know, you mentioned Charles Cross. He's been good, but I think he's just in a, a lower tier compared to those guys. And I feel like Josh Sweat is really due. I don't know if he caught his post-game uh, locker room comments after the Cowboys lost but he was just like man I am just like so tired of you know being close or being right there like we we as in the defensive line like we can't just be relying on pressures and hurries like and like we can't like graze the quarterback like we gotta we gotta grab him we gotta get him to the ground so I think uh, I think this is a game where he'll break through and he'll get his I like that. Uh, my first prediction, not as chipper. A.J. Brown will fumble in a second straight game. Oof. Yeah, that's a depressing one. I think, well, did you see, like, um, I'm sure this happens every week because, like, it would be pretty irresponsible not to be, like, drilling fumbles or drilling fumble preventable or Ball security. Yeah, ball security drills. But I did think it was interesting that the Eagles and, like, the portion of practice where beat reporters are there to, like, see and report and, you know, tweet out their videos, that the Eagles decided to, like, make that a prominent part of that availability. Um, now, I'm not just saying that they're doing that to kind of, like, show everybody that they care and understand or and are preparing to not fumble. But, you know, I think they're like, yeah, no, we know. <laughs> um, yep. Okay. Let's let's hope that doesn't happen, obviously. But, um, hey, their predictions are not uh, hopes. They're not or, wishes. Or they're, yeah, exactly. All right, my second one here, going back to DK and his... His, uh, I, like, it's, it's certainly a revenge game for him. But also, like, I don't know why he has it out on the Eagles so much because, like, he wasn't drafted in the first round. Like, he could have that against the whole league. Not to mention it's not like he wasn't thought of as, like, a good prospect. He was off of most of the boards because of health concerns. Like, he had a serious neck like red flag injury concern but anyway uh give me dk metcalf has 
a touchdown of 50 yards or more. Which, the Eagles... Not ideal. For how they styled their defense with their deep safeties. I don't know what their longest touchdown of the year given up is. I know that Tyreek Hill had the... Like, I'm not sure if that was 50 yards. That feels like it was more like... I think it was the. It was probably one of the Debo ones. It's probably the yeah, Debo I'm, I'm on Mara when Mara missed the tackle. Yeah, those were like... All right. Those were mostly... It like wasn't one, a deep ball. Yeah, those were... It's a five-yard pass. Like a quick slant or, um, you know, a catch and run, which obviously those are counted that way. But I'm thinking more something with, like, legitimate air yards but like the eagles have yeah eagles have spent uh a lot of time and energy and yards and in, in the form of cushions and preventing those but uh dk can he can catch those for sure and i think he can get behind whoever's covering him well uh like we just said they're predictions not wishes I have a more positive one for my second. The Eagles' defense will equal will get an equal number of sacks as turnovers, and I'll go on the record predicting that is two. <laughs> I was gonna say before you made the prediction of two, I was like, that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> I was like, technically yeah. zero could be could be an answer there. Um, yeah, well, if if it is zero, then I still get half credit. Sure. All right. I should get full credit, and then the two is extra credit, honestly. <laughs> All right, wrapping up my uh, predictions with this one. I have Darius Leonard makes a splash play of some sort. Now... I think this will be like, you know, when you see it, but I think what's on the table, it could be like a tip pass that leads to an interception. It's Shaq Leonard. You're right. It is Shaq. Uh, Shaq Leonard makes a splash play of some sort. Uh, So that could be a a tip pass that leads to an interception, a TFL or a sack. Um, Now... Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham saw the majority of the snaps last week, and uh, leading up to the game, the reports were that like Sirianni and Desai had a small and specific package of plays where they're going they're going to deploy Shaq Leonard. I think, given the the initial injury designation of Cunningham that he didn't practice. Now that could just be precautionary, but I'd say the combination of that, I think having another week in the system, um, I think needing, you know, some sort of playmaking ability at that defensive spot. I think we're going to see a little bit of Darius, a little bit more of Darius. A little bit more of Shaq Leonard this week. It's Shaq. Right, right. I like that. I, I would like to see him, uh, you know, uh, solidify himself as a guy on, on this team and not 
uh, an afterthought or you know oh yeah we did sign him remember that like I, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the the case um my final prediction is uh the the pass game returns but the run game does not uh Devonte and dallas goddard combine will combine for over 150 yards and uh two touchdowns okay just leaving aj brown out of it he's just fumbling the ball away not doing anything yeah his stock's down even though i need him to do well for fantasy but <laughs> That's how you treat a guy on your own team. So he's gonna get a it's a win-win. I either I'm uh, wrong on my prediction, but I have a good fantasy day, or um, I'm proven right. So, <laughs> all right, player of the game. All right, my player of the game, uh, a guy that we haven't mentioned yet so far, and that's that's DeAndre Swift. Um, I think this Seahawks defense can be a run on. Uh, so far, they've given up the 23rd most rushing yards per game. I think the Eagles, given the the Seahawks' poor defense, you know, I mentioned that they're the 26th best in the league, according to DVOA, so pretty bad. I, I think the Eagles could get out to an early lead uh, via the pass. I do think we see a bounce-back game from Hurts, I think. You know, we probably see the a reinforcement of getting the ball to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, like almost exclusively. So I could see them getting out to, you know maybe a ten nothing lead or fourteen to three, something like that, and then them kind of just turn over to the running game and start kind of uh chewing chewing away the clock getting a more substantial lead and I think that DeAndre Swift whether it's you know coming out of the backfield or maybe I would love to see them incorporate him a little bit more in the passing game because when they've thrown yeah that was a big draw for for him and they they don't really do that that much yeah I mean when when they went to him in the Chiefs game he was like the he was like the fire starter and also in the Bills game too like he was kind of their uh make something happen guy and They've they've gotten away from that, so I think like he's a, he's a guy that has kind of got them out of the offensive rut. So I think he could also be the the guy to help loosen up their offensive troubles this week against a pretty pretty subpar defense. Yeah, uh, my player of the game, Jalen Hurts. Not the most exciting, but I think of all the players to bounce back from those two lackluster performances is Jalen he's the leader of the team this is a big leadership moment for him and uh, if he has a big if he has a big game I think that will reassure a lot of people uh, that this team is for real and can uh, battle through adversity and uh, I think it'll be a slog of a game it won't be pretty and he'll be a reason why uh you know they they uh without revealing my score prediction uh he'll be a big reason why they're they're in it until the very end 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, that makes a ton of sense. I, like, we need to see him, you know, show up. I, I think he hasn't been... He hasn't been the reason why the Eagles have gotten blown out the past two weeks, but I don't think he's been... He hasn't been, like, a resource to, like, stop the bleeding. And I, I think that's... This kind of feels like, uh, like, in baseball terms, like, you just need that... You, this is a game where, like, you need your ace to, like, step up and say, like, all right, you know, like, this this ends with me here and we're going to start, start something anew, like... This is a game where you need your franchise quarterback to just kind of say, like, nope, past two weeks ended last week. And, you know, moving forward, we're going to get back to who we were the first few months of the season and, you know, learn from the struggles of the past two weeks, but don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which is the last month here and the playoffs and, you know, not just getting there, but getting deep into the playoffs and that's you know we know that that's Jalen's mentality that's the standard is the standard and he's he's made mistakes the past two weeks and he hasn't been that you know dependable playmaker that we've became so used to seeing week in and week out and I don't I don't like I I think you'd have to be crazy to have lost the confidence in that player and I think this is a week that like if it doesn't if it doesn't come out against a defense like this I think that's like that's when you start to worry. Pretty concerning. Right. Yeah. All right, uh final score prediction. All right. The Eagles are three and a half point road favorites. Vegas has it as a over under of forty seven and a half points. Give me Eagles 26, Seahawks 20. So got the Eagles covering. Uh, got it coming in a little bit under that over-under. I think I think it feels a little bit more comfortable than that score seems. I could see the Seahawks getting a touchdown late. Maybe we see an onside kick. But I think this is a more comfortable game. You know, it's not a blowout. Um the Seahawks team does have an explosive offense. They do have, you know, playmakers on si- on that side of the ball. But ultimately, I think the Eagles have just seen way more talented defenses lately that have given them trouble. And I think, um, you know, we, we haven't even talked about, like, Nick Sirianni, but um, I'm sure this has been weighing heavy on him the past two weeks hearing the criticisms of his offense and, you know, Brian Johnson getting a lot of that fire too. So I think this is like a, this isn't like a statement game by any means, but I think it's a game where like the Eagles have to come out and like re-remind people that this is a very talented team with a ton of offensive weapons. And like, they just got to come out with like, they don't. They don't have to do anything special. They just have to like, basically stop. They just have to play uh, how how they just their, ha- to yeah. their standard. 
They just got to execute better. I feel like there's been a lot they of... They just got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, like, there's been a lot of criticism of, like, the the offensive and defensive play calling, and I'm not saying that's meritless, but, like, we're seeing, like, a lot of mistakes on the field. And, like, if, if this team... That's also coaching. That's true. But I think, like, you can't forget, like, sometimes these plays don't work because of, you know, players not executing to their abilities. Right. So. Yeah. I think I think the Eagles come out and play a relatively clean game. And, you know, on paper, they're the better team. And they just got to go out and they got to put it on put it on the field, too. See, I, I have a much different outlook on this game, I think some of the baggage from the last two games carries over and it's a it's a it's a grind of a game i think they have fits and starts but end up uh improving upon uh, at, at least the defensively the last couple games i think the eagles squeak this one out though give me eagles 18 seahawks 17 Oh, wow. I think it's a close game, a low-scoring low scoring. affair, an ugly game on Monday night, making the NFL regret flexing it to Monday night instead of a Sunday afternoon. And uh, they, they pull out the win, get back on track, and come back home to the uh, soft part of their schedule. Man, if, if, if the offense only puts up what is that two touchdowns in two weeks or three touchdowns in two weeks that would be (laughs) that'll be pretty rough well let's hope not we'll be back after the seahawks game to preview the giants and talk about the seahawks game i'll be on the east coast mike will be on the east coast we'll uh we'll be close to the action so any final thoughts I do think the Eagles have a slight advantage at uh, decision-making. I think, you know, we've, we've gotten on Nick Sirianni about how he's he's gotten a little conservative in moments where that hasn't, uh, you know, helped the team's case. But, like, Pete Carroll, he's, he's pretty conservative, and I, I could see that, you know, maybe on, like, a punt call – uh, I could see him maybe getting a little, getting a little too conservative and helping out the Eagles. But uh, th- this should be a game where like that could, you know, end up being a, a slight advantage in the case for the Eagles. Yeah, I like it. Uh, bounce back game for the coaches as well. So we'll be back soon. For Mike, I'm Ian. Thanks for listening.